reflect upon the cost of our salvation. We'll be reading from the book of John chapter 19 this morning. So if you have your Bibles and would like to turn John chapter 19 verses 28 and 29. John writes, And after this Jesus, knowing all things had already been accomplished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop, and they brought it up to his mouth. Will you pray with me? God, as we hear from your word this morning, may you cause our hearts to be stirred at the grace that was demonstrated to us as God himself took on flesh, bore the burden of our sin, died the death that we should have died, became the payment for us. And we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And we pray this morning that you may speak to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's important for us to remember on this Good Friday that the cross was not the cross was not God's plan B. God didn't create mankind and then after man fell, after man chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God up in heaven was wringing his hands saying, "Oh no, man screwed up. Now what am I going to do?" But the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That from eternity past, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the purchase of our soul was God's eternal plan. And so as we understand the cross... We understand that as Jesus entered the world, he entered the world understanding, fully aware that the cross was his purpose, that the cross was his end, that the cross was where Christ's life would culminate and that he would indeed be laid in a borrowed tomb. He knew that as he became a man, John chapter 1 verse 14, and we beheld his glory Glorious of the only begotten of the Father, when God Himself put on flesh, the second person of the Trinity, He understood that all that I have done and all that I will do will culminate at the cross. I think it's interesting in verse 28 that the author writes, Jesus, knowing all things had been accomplished. Now, keep in mind that Jesus is God. He is, not, he is not a man who has God-like characteristics. He is not a divine man. 
nor is he a humanized God. He is not a God that has human-like characteristics, but Jesus is one person with two very distinct natures. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. How that works, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. As soon as I've figured it out, I'll write a book and I'll make millions. But, but Jesus is 100% God. He is 100% man. And because he is 100% God, the, the scripture tells us that he is eternal, that he is before all things. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was before all things. The scripture tells us that in the beginning, God, that God was present in the beginning. And God consisted of the, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So Jesus was with God. Jesus was God from eternity past. And so we understand that because Jesus was God and is God and has been God from eternity past and will be God from e to eternity future, that, that nothing that happens in this world happens apart from his knowledge. And so Jesus, as he is, as he is hanging on the cross, he is fully aware of everything that has been prophesied, everything that needs to take place up until that point and everything that will take place from that point forward. And the scripture tells us that Jesus, knowing all things had already been accomplished. What had already been accomplished? I want us to marvel for just a moment at the completeness of the prophecy. In the book of Psalm chapter 41, the scripture prophesies that Jesus would be betrayed by his dear friend. In Psalm chapter 31, the scripture prophesies that Jesus would be forsaken of his disciples. That all of his disciples would forsake him and scatter like roaches when you turn on the lights. Psalm chapter 35 tells us that Jesus, the son of man, would be falsely accused. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that Jesus would stand silent before his accusers. Isaiah chapter 53 also tells us that Jesus would be innocent before those who bring accusation against him. It also tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus would be numbered with sinners. And we know that Jesus hung on the cross in between two thieves who were convicted of murder. It tells us that Jesus would be crucified, that his, his method of execution would be by crucifixion in the book of Psalm chapter 22. The book of Psalm chapter 109 tells us that Jesus, as he is crucified, as he is brought to death, that he would be mocked and ridiculed. Psalm 22 also reminds us that Jesus would, that those who, who were there would gamble, would cast lots for his clothing. Isaiah chapter 53 says that during his crucifixion, Jesus would pray for his enemies. Psalm chapter 22 tells us that he would be forsaken by God. Psalm 31 tells us that he would yield up his spirit. Psalm 34 tells us that his body would not be broken, that none of his bones would be broken. Isaiah chapter 53 prophesies that he would be buried in a tomb that had never been used, a rich man's tomb. And the book of Psalm also tells us that Jesus would cry out 
and say, I thirst. The specificity of the prophecy leading to the culmination of Jesus' purpose ought to awe us. It ought to, to bring us to a place where we marvel at who God is and what he has done. Keep in mind, all of these prophecies, all of these prophecies had taken place hundreds and hundreds, some even thousands of years before Christ. And yet they would be fulfilled to the very letter. Jesus, aware all things had been accomplished, made a statement. He said, I thirst. It's interesting, there are only seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. Only seven. He cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He looked at Mary and John and said, Behold your mother, behold your son. He said, I thirst. He said, it is finished. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. We're going to look for just a brief moment at this statement, I thirst. What is meant, what, what does this statement, I thirst, tell us? What is meant by these these simple words. And I think that there are two things that we, can, that we can draw, two conclusions that we can draw from this text. I think the first one tells us of the humanity of Jesus, of the physical anguish that he endured. I want to back up for just a few moments and walk us through the events leading up to this moment. On the night before Jesus was crucified. On that Thursday evening, Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. He had shared with them the Last Supper. And after the supper, after the Passover meal, him, Jesus and his disciples go to the garden. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus asks them, he says, pray. Pray for me. And then Jesus leaves and spends time alone with his Father in in absolute anguish the scripture tells us in luke that as he prayed to the father he said father if it's possible let this cup let the events that are about to take place let them pass for me nevertheless not my will but your will be done and as he is praying and as he as he is in utter anguish the scripture tells us that he began to sweat so profusely and 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 in such anguish and agony that his sweat became like blood and he went back and he found his disciples sleeping multiple times. And then he sees Judas entering the garden with a bunch of Roman soldiers. And Judas comes up and kisses him. And the Roman soldiers arrest Jesus. And they bring Jesus before Annas, the real high priest. Caiaphas was the the high priest by, by title, but Annas, being Caiaphas's father-in-law and understanding that the high priest is an is a office that is held for the entire life of the high priest, Annas was the legitimate high, was according, uh, as far as the Jews go, Annas was the legitimate high priest, whereas Caiaphas was the high priest recognized by the Roman officials. So they bring Jesus before Annas, and they have this illegal trial in the middle of the night because the scripture Uh, The Levitical law prevents there being a trial at night. Nevertheless, they had a trial at night before Annas. 
Then they had a trial before Caiaphas. And then, first light, they bring Jesus before Pilate. So Jesus has been sat, he has had spent hours in utter agony before his father. He has been betrayed by his disciples. He has been forsaken of his disciples. He has stood already at two trials. And now in first light, he stands before a third trial, before Pilate. Pilate comes to the conclusion that this man has done nothing wrong. This man is innocent. But in order to satisfy the, the Jewish leaders, I'm going to have him flogged. And so that's exactly what happens. Pilate has him flogged, and then Pilate sends him to Herod to pass the buck. And so Jesus stands trial before Herod. Herod, not wanting to, to have the blood of this man on his hand, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate said, what have I to do with this man? I've already made a judgment that he's innocent. I know what I'll do. I'll convince them to release him by giving them a choice between Jesus or a convicted murderer, Barabbas. So given that choice, the crowd being stirred up by the Pharisees and the religious leaders cry for Jesus' crucifixion. Pilate says, I wash my hands after Jesus' fifth trial that day. He says, I wash my hands of this blood, of this man's blood, crucify him. Crucifixion carried with it a flogging and a crucifixion. So Jesus would be flogged for the second time in a few hours. Then Jesus would be asked to carry the cross up the hill outside the city. Completely sleep deprived, beaten, having stood in five trials, is asked to carry his cross up the hill, unable to do so because he is physically depleted. There's another man, Simon, who's made to carry his cross for him. They get to the place where Jesus would be crucified. They took nine-inch nails and they drove it through his wrist and through the instep of his foot. They hung him on the cross. When they hang him on a cross, as the cross is dropped down into the hole that's dug for it, the weight of, your, the, weight of the body would, would sag down and would dislocate both shoulders and both elbows from its socket. In order to breathe, Jesus would have to step up. You put all of his weight on the spike that's driven into his instep to inhale. And he would fall back down and he would do that once more to exhale. As he stood there in the middle of the day, the sun beating down upon his naked, beaten, broken body. Sleep deprived. Multiple beatings, multiple trials, enduring crucifixion. Jesus is literally dying of dehydration and asphyxiation. And he says, I'm thirsty. Communicating real humanity, real need. And then I believe that statement tells us another thing. It tells us of Jesus' spiritual thirst. This statement immediately follows Jesus' statement, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? The scripture tells us that in the third hour, I'm sorry, scripture tells us that in the sixth hour, 
that the sky became dark. And Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. And as Jesus makes this statement, the sky became black. And the scripture tells us that the Father, God, had laid the iniquity of us all upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 says, And God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 tells us that God had laid the iniquity of us all upon him. That statement, I thirst, followed three hours of darkness. It followed the statement, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I'm sorry, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? The statement was a culmination of Jesus enduring the wrath of God. The wrath of God, the penalty that was due you and I because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our total abhorrence of God, Christ bore the wrath that was due you and I. And as he hung upon that cross and he said, I thirst, I believe the greater anguish was not the physical anguish, but I believe the greater anguish was Jesus' separation from the Father. From the very first time, from eternity, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who had experienced perfect communion with the Father from eternity past and will experience perfect community with the Father to eternity future, for the very first time in all of eternity, God the Son was separated from God the Father. For the very first time, there was a, there was a disruption in that communion. There was a disruption in that relationship. There was a disruption in that fellowship. And that disruption, that separation was because of sin not sin that Christ had committed but our sin and as Christ hung upon the cross he said I thirst I need not just for physical water but I am in need of that living water Jesus said in John he said I am the vine and you are the branches if you abide in me you will bear much fruit but apart from me you can bear nothing and at this point Jesus had been cut off from the vine he had been cut off from that living water he had been cut off from the bread of life he had been cut off from the good shepherd for the very first time in all of eternity Christ had been separated from God because of sin and Christ cried out I thirst I long to experience Communion with the Father. He was not a divine man, not a man with divine attributes. He was not a humanized God. He was not a God that had human characteristics. He was 100% God man, and he bore the weight of our sin. I think verse 29 is interesting. Because the scripture tells us that they took a reed of hyssop and they dipped it in the gall or sour wine and they put it up to the mouth of Christ. Hyssop is interesting because hyssop is what was used by the Israelites during the Passover to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the doorposts. Isn't it interesting that the same instrument 
that was used to apply the blood to protect the Israelites from the death angel to allow them to experience the promise of God. Now, this hyssop, which at one time pointed to the blood of the lamb that would save them from death, is now being pointed toward the true lamb of God who would pay for their sin for all of eternity. The hyssop reed during Passover was used to apply the blood to the doorpost to save the people. And now this hyssop would point to the eternal lamb of God that would not be applied to the doorpost, but to a wooden cross to bear the burden of our sin. Over the next few minutes, we're going to sing a few, a few songs, a few hymns. We're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to sing for an extended period of time. And during this time, I'm going to ask that you reflect upon the price that was paid for your sin. He paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. And as Christ hung on a rugged Roman cross and shed his red, rich, royal blood, he did so for you and for me. That all those who would come to him, he would in no wise cast them out. God, may you indeed today make us aware of the price that was paid for our salvation. Will you pray with me? God, we understand that we do not deserve your grace. We understand that we do not deserve to be the recipient of salvation. Yet because you loved us with an everlasting love, because your love for us is so unbelievable you came down from heaven put on flesh perfectly fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law took upon yourself our sin bared the weight of that sin suffered and died endured the wrath of God became our substitute that we might become the righteousness of God. This morning, as you reflect upon this truth, maybe you need to come to this altar and pray. Maybe you need to get on your face right where you're at and pray. Maybe you need to grab someone with you and come down to this altar and pray. May you find yourself obedient this morning. The scripture says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. May you freely worship Jesus, who is indeed the only one worthy of our worship. We ask these in the precious name of Jesus.